Welcome to Rough Drafts, how God writes his love in our stories, a podcast that explores the faith journeys of our friends and neighbors in Burns, Tennessee. Everyone has a story to tell. And in this podcast, we'll hear powerful and inspiring stories of how God works in the ordinary lives of people like you and me. Our stories are unfinished and perfectly imperfect. They're just rough drafts, a glimpse of what is to come because God is still at work, writing plot twists, introducing new characters, and bringing good even from the most challenging circumstances. Join us as we see what God is up to in our stories. Here's your host, Matthew Hyatt. Friends, this may be the most dangerous episode of Rough Drafts that we have recorded yet because you are putting two Church of Christ preachers in a room with no referees, no elders, and uh, maybe more importantly, no wives to to make sure we stay out of trouble. Our guest today um, has the patience of Job because he is a Vanderbilt fan of all things, so he knows something of suffering and patience and delayed gratification. Uh, He's a good friend and a good worker in the kingdom. Uh, He's my friend, Jason Allison. Jason, welcome. Thank you. I think <laughs> that's what everybody says. Yeah. Why do you do this? You know, you buy your lunch and then you think you buy right. the setup. Yeah. yeah. Well, hey, uh, uh, some of our listeners might not know about um, the Awake Camp that we have coming up in like three or four weeks. It's coming up soon. Let's talk about that for a second. Yeah. Pretty excited about it. Uh, I mean, I think we both have our histories of camp and uh, that we've done for, for years. But then when this was kind of born and, and still confused whether you ask me or we ask you or whatever, but I guess it doesn't matter. But um, yeah, excited about combining our two churches. And I know we're just excited. We get so busy in our own little uh, sandbox of ministry that when somebody else asks to play, we never know how to respond. <laughs> <laughs> well, so <laughs> I'm taking my dump truck and going on. Right, right. So, so we're uh, cautiously optimistic of how this will go. <laughs> I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Right. Um, so our camp is called Awake. Awake, yeah. In our theme, stronger as just decided today. Uh, yeah, stronger, uh, and so pretty pumped about that as we kind of examine how we become stronger and also we help each other to become stronger. But um, July fifth through eighth, right at um, Lake Benson in Bon Aqua, beautiful camp. Uh, very excited about being there and and exploring uh, the space there, which is a large space and a lot of, uh, you know, opportunities. Yeah, this is going to ruin our people because yeah. like, it has hotel-style rooms right? The staff. And yeah. Uh, we don't have to do kitchen cleanup duty. That's what's just going to get me is not having to cook meals and stuff like that. Some of our people are still going to want to wipe down a table or do something, and so we'll find spots for everybody. Yeah, we'll create a place. <laughs> there, there'll be one table just for Right. <laughs> the worker bees that can't sit still. <laughs> That's right. That's right. It's going to break some spirits. Yeah. 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 Uh, I think it's kind of fun being the, the Thursday, uh, Wednesday night through Saturday morning, basically. It's a short format thing. Yeah. Uh, and that's during Sports Dead Week in Dixon County, at least, I yeah. think. So that'll uh, hopefully be a good opportunity. We're taking second grade and up? Third grade. No, I second. think it was second. Maybe we should look at our own materials. We uh, should. But I, I think it's... Read the bulletin, people. Yeah, I think it's second-ish uh, and, and up. But yeah, it'll be a, a wide uh, age range. But I know, I'm sure is the case here. We're always excited about this intergenerational opportunities, yeah. not only among kids and adults, but also even older you know, teens and younger kids just to be able to really learn from each other and benefit from spending that much you know, time together, yeah. focused. And you, know, you and I both are in our congregations have done a ton of other churches and have had some really cool experiences. And that's been that's been great. Um, mm-hmm. We've been with White Bluff and you've been at Lylewood and there's mm-hmm. a lot of stuff. Uh, Chapel Hills Week. Right. Midsummer. There's 
uh, Mid South. I mean, I should have yeah. started naming them because there's so many. Right, something is left out. Yeah, whatever the Leatherwood <laughs> one that, that Walnut Street goes to, Scott. Right, I think they just call that one Leatherwood. Maybe. Anywho, yeah. Um, you know, so it's going to be kind of a new melting pot yeah. and just a new experiment for our group. Yeah. Um, one thing that I think is really cool. Um, I this is really truly a partnership, and we're trying to mix the churches as we do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like anything, I think we're going to find we've got so many more similarities than we do differences, you know. And that's 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 always the experience. Like I said, because you you focus so much on uh, things that make us different instead of oh wow, we have so much in common, you know. And and there our needs and our 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 services that we offer. I mean, it's just it's going to be good. It's going to be good. It's got to be. We try to send our people to Pegram at every chance, you know. <laughs> That you keep sending them back. That's right. That's right. It's funny. Yeah, we're <laughs> we're not that far apart. Well, I see how it is. So, uh, you know the question I'm going to ask you. Yeah. And this is probably a terrible question to ask a preacher. I thought I'd say, "Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God?" <laughs> that, that's the Son of God. Again, dangerous. <laughs> this is why we brought you here. We thought it was time, Jason. You've been preaching long enough. <laughs> oh, this is going to be a train wreck today. <laughs> um, so I always ask people, "What's your God story?" Yeah. And like asking a preacher any question is dangerous to start with. But yeah. a God thing, like we could be here till next Friday. Right. Right. So, yeah. Where do you want to go? Well, I've got three points and a point. No. Uh, so <laughs> that's right. You'll get that that warmed up. Um, yeah. 728B, anybody? There you go. There you go. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's next to impossible, you know, trying to narrow it, it down. And so um, mine's, mine's just part of the larger story. There's some smaller stories, uh, and but they have a common theme. And so that's, that's kind of what I was reflecting on and kind of where I was thinking uh, – to share, I, I'd love to be able to speak only to the prosperity in my life, and that's where God has spoken and is obvious. But uh, it's the adversity is, you know, that's going to be probably most of what you've heard to this point, point. Uh, and and so that's kind of the same for me. Um, I, you mentioned Lawwood uh, as far as a, when we were talking about camps and stuff. That's when I was seven years old. I went for the first time. Uh, to Lawwood Camp, and I'll be, uh, I just turned 49. So I've been there every summer uh, since I was seven years old. So 42 years of church camp. <laughs> I would uh, think you would have graduated. You would think, you would think, yeah. Uh, but um, but so that that obviously was such a huge part of my faith formation and stuff, and and uh, not just personally, but also relationally. And, um, and so that's kind of what sparked for me than this process of knowing I wanted to be in ministry, but not knowing in what context and trying to decide that along the way. I think that's important to mention because um, the theme uh, that I keep coming back upon is like gains and losses. And and really, it, it's, it's hard to word it this way, but it's almost gains from losses because uh, those gains don't feel like gains in the midst of the loss. Right. Uh, it's only given time, you know, and looking back and reflecting and seeing how God was working and what he was weaving, you know, at the time, uh, all that. But um, even uh, when I was at uh, Freed Hartman uh, and um, I was going to be an intern after my sophomore year and I was looking for an intern um, uh, position and as a lot of guys were and and was really fortunate to find one and uh, interviewed and and uh, on a sunny night and was told that I had the position and was scheduled to come back the following Sunday night uh, to kind of 
meet families and that type thing. And um, when I got there, it something felt a little different than the Sunday night before. And and sure enough, um, there'd been a meeting and they decided to go a different route and not have a youth minister at the time, and, and which was fine, and to have the parents it's do it. It's always good, though, when you get told... <laughs> We would rather have nobody than have you. <laughs> well, to a twenty-year-old, that's uh, that's a little bit of an ego blow. Yeah, it's like it's not that it's not you; it's just not anyone. Yeah, yeah that's after right. After we met you, we, <laughs> we met you. rethought the entire right. idea of your yeah. profession. And I had been on an admission trip—not a mission trip, but an admission trip with the university. I was in the New England area during all this time when this was taking place, so I had no other prospects, no other, you know. Uh, job opportunities. I had said no to anything else to say yes to this. So I was definitely, that was my first real experience of, uh, I guess, in a sense of getting a job and losing one before I really had it, you know. Uh, so it was a definite loss that I, I, I felt or defeat anyway. I don't think people who haven't done ministry. Now, I've been really fortunate because yeah. I've been here my entire quote career. Right. Um, you know, I did internships and stuff like that before. But People who don't do ministry don't understand what it's like for getting told you can't do it. Like, yeah, it's just a weird. Yeah. Because ministry is not your job. Right. You'd probably be healthier. So much to your identity. Yeah. I mean, when you when you you put so much of your identity into that. And we do it in some unhealthy ways. Sure. Absolutely. But even on the best day. Yeah. This is not what I do. It's who I am. Right. And when you go to a place excited to be part of it and they say, yeah, we'd rather you not. Well, and I was just so excited to be a part of, of ministry, uh, you know, altogether, you know, and so they, it represented a lot. Now, when I say a game from that, uh, a friend of mine who was the, I guess, first paid youth minister at Pegram contacted me. He had heard about, you know, my situation and um, he he kind of said, well, uh we may have an opportunity here. And I said, Oh, you got an intern. He goes, well, no, we've never done it before. And as we went through the conversations, he's like, it's for half the money. Uh, you'd have to live with me and share an office with me. And, uh, and I was like, Oh, well I'll take it, you know, <laughs> cause it's all I had. Yeah. And so that was uh, June 4th, 1994. So this Sunday makes 29 years I've been an intern. Congratulations. <laughs> Are you still living with him? Uh, no, okay. I'm not. I have. Uh, he moved away okay. uh, and I moved on. Uh, okay. in that sense. I didn't know if you stayed in the same room. Are you, are, you, are you still in the same office? I'm not even in the same office. We're not in the same location. So, That's yeah. Um, uh, so anyway, uh, that was that was one of those that at the time it was kind of devastating, you know, to have that happen. And, uh, boy, it was a good, good dose of humility. I mean, for again, a 20 year old with an ego. Uh, and, uh, and so then it just became a, a, a matter of where I, I came there and I never left, you know, uh, and I know that feeling. yeah, that's right. And I've served in a number of different roles, you know, since then over the last almost three decades. And so, um, you know, I, I don't know that that opportunity wasn't there for me and it wasn't even available to me if, if the other one didn't fall through. I mean, that's, that's all there is to it. That's the only way that became, that door was opened. Uh, And so looking back again, you know, like I said, I can see where, where God had that in mind, but uh, boy, that's not the way I would have chosen it, you know? No, No. (laughs) but it was, it was a beautiful one. I mean, and it has been, Um, you know, the, the first Sunday night I came to Burns to interview here, um, they forgot I was coming. Wonderful. And they had Walnut Street's Youth Chorus come that night. 
So I get here, pull into the church, and the parking lot's just full. And I'm oh, thinking, here to hear you. What are all? I, I mean, I didn't, I didn't think that because I just thought oh. I was meeting. I'm like, I, went, oh, I wasn't okay. doing anything other than oh, an interview. Okay. I see all these cars, and I thought, what church has an overflowing parking lot on a Sunday night? Yeah, like, yeah. And I walk in, and uh, I remember the door greeter shook my hand, and I went and I kind of sat on the back row to sort of be kind of because I didn't know the people I was meeting. Yeah. And you know, everybody's kind of in a hurry, walking past. Nobody's talking to me. And a few minutes later, one of the elders goes, you came here to talk about working here, didn't you? We forgot you were coming. <laughs> so it's, it's like, I'll like, give you the job then, right? like that ever since. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Well, I, uh, again, humility is not all, it comes in many different forms. Yeah. Either you choose humility or it chooses you. Yeah, yeah. it chooses me a lot. <laughs> That's yeah. right. Some of us more than others, especially those that speak in order to think. Ooh. We find ourselves apologizing a lot. I played kickball with the college kids this weekend, and it was the most humiliating thing I've done in a long time. <laughs> Probably the most fun they had, yeah, though, they witnessing that. Yeah. They enjoyed it. Uh, well, the other, another, I mean, obviously a, a big part of, of our, my story and the God story is, uh, my wife and I, uh, my first wife, uh, Yvette, we met at Lawwood, uh, and when we were kids and, um, I say we, you know, became the best of friends and we were through high school and she was from Pegram and, uh, and we were friends right up until we got married. Uh, and then, oh. and then uh, in 97, in September of 97, and, uh, we were married for 10 years, had three kids. Um, and then she unexpectedly passed away in January of 08. And it's, it's almost two parts to that. One is her passing, uh, which was tragic and unexpected. But then the other part of that is it to this day is unexplained. There's no medical explanation whatsoever. Oh, wow. And here I was, you know, uh, with, uh, three, three kids, eight, six and 18 months, you know, and, um, uh, Eight, six, and 18 months. Yes. And you'd been married? 10 years. 10 years. Yeah. And uh, and she always said about Pegram, it was her church before it was mine. And she was yeah. right about that because the church, she was one of their daughters. I mean, uh, that, yeah. that church. And so, I mean, we all felt the loss, you know, and the weight of that loss. Uh, and then I said the other part of that, too, is then this lack of understanding. I mean, because even to this day... I still, when I, I read or hear of a tragic passing, I'm looking for explanation and usually one can be found, this, yeah. you know, medically or here's the heart attack. Yeah, say. exactly. You can find some, but she was 33 years old, perfect health, um, you know, and just passed during the night. And so, um, you know, it, nothing, no ministry, no, no sermon. The, the sermon that I, I just started a sermon series the week before uh, deal or no deal. It was relevant for then, uh, back, back then in 08. Uh, and it was about, uh, the first lesson was about wisdom and our need for wisdom. You know, and I, um, I think so many times about how puny that sermon was in light of what I would be going through. It was another two or three months before I preached again, you know, uh, and, and it was just, um, you know, like I said, it, it's one thing to, uh, to undergo that type of loss, but then dealing with, the the need for acceptance without understanding. I mean that that was something that I'm sure I had preached, but I had no clue and still struggle. You know, with with how to communicate that about when you have to reach a point of acceptance in order to move on and w- without getting that answer, as we often say, this side of heaven. And then when we get to heaven, I don't know that it's going to matter anymore. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> but um, but that's 
that was something then that, you know, just totally uh, reshaped, you know, my life, the life of our family, the life of her family, I mean, of our church family, um, and, and walking through that together. Was there anything through that time that was helpful to you? Hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, there was... I mean, usually you and I get up and tell the stories of the unhelpful things people say and do in moments oh, like, yeah. I just need yeah. another uh, angel. But, you know, you want to punch them. Heard every one of them, and, and it made me think twice. Not not angry at people about that, but yeah. but but it made me think twice from that moment on. Anything I ever say, really, some, I've said a whole lot less. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I find now so much in ministry is when people go through moments like this of tragic sudden loss, then they, they'll talk to me and say, well, but you understand. They know that I understand, and I, but then I also feel quick to what little I want to say is, but that doesn't mean my situation is like your situation. You know, right. every every loss is different, therefore every grief is going to be different. Yeah. And um, and that's that's been my experience, you know, uh, not just for myself, but for others as well since then. But Were there people or practices that walked you through that time? Uh, like, I'm, I'm what I heard you say yeah. was, I was so grateful just then to hear you say that you didn't preach for a few months. Oh, yeah. So I know guys who've had to get back in the oh. pulpit the next Sunday because they had elderships who viewed them as the employee that needs to turn out the yeah. product. Yeah. And you don't have that. I don't have that. I was a, I was a member that needed to be cared for. I mean, and that's, that's, um, and there have been other moments since then where our leadership has had that, that type of compassion and grace to say, you need to take some time to be with family you need because we've had other loss since then um and uh and 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 that's it it's it, you're so devastated and your life has changed the hardest thing is to think you're going to go right back to the path you were in you know and, and you find yourself wanting to do that um and i think it's to take the time necessary to well you hear it a lot but to redefine what normal is going to look like you know and find an old new normal yeah i mean it really is and um and so i mean it 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 was careful for them to be a minister too, to not try to spend so much time trying to take care of everybody else, you know, and their, their grief, but also realize to get yourself as healthy as you can be. And then, you know, you'll be able to help others. And, uh, you know, for my situation, having kids that young, I mean, everybody just swarmed. And I mean, our kids were cared for and provided for. And so again, it just gives you greater insight to then when you see others going through that, here's what they need, you know. Here's what helped me. Yes. Uh, you don't need people to rush in and try to fix it. There's no fixing this. Right. You know, uh, we're not going to repair this. We're just going to try to uh, start again and start afresh and that type of thing. But, but that guy who cut the grass made a difference. The person yeah. who brought you a casserole. Oh, yeah. And, and again, you don't see it all in the moment. It's down the road sometimes. And so, you know, if anybody's expecting a thank you or a pat on the back, you may hear it, may get it, but it may not be fully appreciated till months, years down the road, you know? Um, but, um, yeah, we, we definitely were, were cared for. And the, the biggest advice is just let people love on you. Mm. That's hard for some of us who are, you know, in that serving caregiving capacity a lot to just realize how much it means to others, uh, to let them do that for you, you know? And, um, and so that, that can be difficult, but that's, uh, we had all that and more. And, um, uh, want to talk about the gain from that too, unless you have others. Okay. Yeah. The, because then what, what God did is he brought back into my life. Somebody also, you know, had met at church camp when we were kids. That's why law was so fundamental and why I keep going back, I guess. <laughs> You're starting to run out of people. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. You got to be careful. <laughs> I know. But, um, 
Uh, but my, my wife, Amy, she and I reconnected and we had dated in high school and stuff. And, uh, so we had that history, uh, you know, and, uh, so reconnected with, with her and, um, it, she had gone through uh, a divorce the year before. And so, and I had not, you know, had much, very little communication with her, you know, about any of that. So we were both coming out of different types of loss, you know? Uh, and so we, began just connecting over, over that idea of kind of rebuilding and that type of stuff and, um, led to a year more later, I guess that, uh, when we got engaged and, and which actually I, I proposed to her on the jumbotron at a Vanderbilt basketball Did game. Did you really? So in a very quiet, subtle fashion, yeah. uh, with about 75 tickets to that game. So with, uh, well, the, I pretty much was the audience for that game. <laughs> there was only a few people that the people on the court were the only ones not involved in it. Uh, <laughs> their moms were there. Too. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So, but uh, um, so it was, you know, that was a really neat occasion because we shared that with her parents who within uh, one year, her father passed away at 58 from cancer. That was totally unexpected. And then four years after her mom passed away in a car accident. So, I mean, like I said, when I say loss has continued to shape our lives, I mean, that's uh, we've shared that prior history and then continue, you know, to be part of our history. And I would think that would have an, an interesting effect on a relationship, you know, because when you're when you're 21, you get married. Life is happy. Everything's good. Nothing could go wrong. The world is your oyster. I don't understand mm-hmm. that phrase. I don't know what that yeah, means exactly. But, oysters. you know, they're kind of sl- they taste like snot. <laughs> you know? that's right. Um, but, you know, to have a relationship. I, I don't want to say built on tragedy, but built born out of it. And yeah. That's what's so important, too, is we had this prior history, you know. Uh, so a lot of things that we still talk about, you know, is, is things that when we were kids and all that. So we had that prior history. But but there is kind of the before and the after, you know, and, and with with losing Yvette and then losing her parents. Uh, so suddenly and, and, and unexpectedly in our marriage, you know, um, it's just it's part of, you know, that of our story. It's one that we would have loved to have avoided, yeah. but we had no say in that. And so it's learning how to, to, to build on that and build, you know, from that. Um, we had, she had two boys as two boys and, um, she had a Blake and I have a Blake. So we had two kids with the same name. So did y'all just get rid of one? No, what did you no. Well, we discussed that option, but I don't say which one. No, but the, uh, uh, big Blake and little Blake. And now oddly enough, uh, little Blake, who's almost 17 years old is taller than all of us. Uh-huh. And so we still call him little Blake. And so do other people. Even they called each other that, which was weird because you don't have to, you just call the other one Blake, but they, they stuck with that too. Big Blake and little Blake. Uh, and, um, our whole thing was that we have to explain quickly to people that we're a blended family now that we forgot you know, that we had named one the other. And I, I, something I read, I thought it's very accurate. Uh, that's a, uh, that's really not a true term of blended family. We're a chunky family working on a blend. I, I, but you're, uh, you're kind of like a salsa. Family. Yeah, that's right. that's it, it's medium, mild. Yeah, I guess. Uh, but uh, we will have been married 14 years okay. um, next month. And so it's interesting as people learn that part of our story, you know, how, how we came to be, you know, how our family now came to be. Uh, it really, uh, again, it speaks to the gain out of loss. Uh, and, and again, um, it doesn't in any way minimize the losses and the, and the hurt and the, the pain and the weight of that, but also realizing that it just underscores God's faithfulness that, you know, through that and from that, uh, he's continued to, uh, more than just bless us. He's continued to, 
Uh, maybe the best way to say is like to redeem it, mm. I guess. I mean, that's... What a good church word, preacher. It is. Uh, let me go g- give you a scripture while I'm at it. Uh, uh, but uh, no, the scripture I, I go to is Joel 2.25. I'm sure you were reading from Joel this morning. Of course. You know, personal study. Yes, But always. Uh, it's that uh, where there's the locust plague and where it says that I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten. I mean, I keep going back to that kind of promise, like for those moments and, and the the of of loss and 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 tragedy and hurt and pain god also has chosen to redeem it you know and and that's just been a blessing i mean it's just to see how he does that and uh again it hurts uh, in the moment and it hurts still you know the waves reappear from time to time you you feel that but um but it pales in comparison to how he just his redemptive you know love and, and plan and so that's that's kind of who we are and and how we've uh uh, continue to, to, to live out of that, I guess. Yeah. Um, the, um, I, I, this won't surprise you at all that, uh, I was preparing for sermon, uh, this week, but I ran across a quote and it's like, man, that's really good. I need to find as many places as I can to share this quote before I forget (laughs) it. Uh, but, uh, Charles Spurgeon, I'm sure you've quoted Spurgeon before. When we go through trials, the sovereignty of God is the pillow on which we lay our heads. Yeah. I mean, that's that's exactly that's that speaks to that. Even when you don't understand, especially when you don't understand, you can come to a place of acceptance, trusting that God has this. God is in control of this. You know, um, it doesn't absolve you from, again, the pain, the hurt. But but it also gives you a peace that God's God's writing this. He's authoring this and it's going to be good, you know. You know, I'm, I'm going to go theology nerd on you for oh, a second. OK, we don't get to do that. Yeah. Real often. But, you know, your, your Spurgeon quote talked about the sovereignty of God, mm-hmm. and that's not one of the attributes of God that historically we have emphasized as much. You know, right. we tend to be more Arminian than Calvinist. Yeah. Um, and some of that we did because we almost wanted to absolve God of guilt for wrong in the world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And if you if you know theology, you know what I'm trying to say here. Yeah. But one of the things that I've appreciated studying the last few years is I've gotten bigger and bigger on the sovereignty of God mm-hmm. because I would rather have a God at the wheel mm-hmm. during a tragedy than a God who is not at the wheel during right. a tragedy. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an important distinction, even if it causes you some some problem. Why would God cause that versus why would God allow that? Right. I don't know. I'm not God. Right. But I don't have to know. And. And there's just, that's kind of born out of our own ego, I think, too. We've got to let God be God. We need God to be God. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, and and so that means the same way that as when my kids were small and they didn't understand why we were doing, uh, well, the truth is we probably didn't either because as parents, we're imperfect. But yeah. but that, in that same sense, you know, we, we have to trust that God knows, God sees and God knows and God's, God cares. You know, that's kind of. Um, that's how I approach it with the idea of the, the sovereignty of God. It helps me to, to deal with what I can't explain, yeah. you know, and there's so much around us that we see, it seems like every day, you know, that we can't explain and, and yet we're sometimes put in a position or asked to do that. And I've got to, got to trust. That's what faith is. You if, know? if I had like five myths about being a preacher that I yeah. wish I could dispel. Right. Uh, the first two or three have to do with fried chicken. The next one has to do with only working on Sundays and Wednesdays. Yes. A- and then the remaining one would be that I have an explanation for why 
<laughs> regarding anything because I don't. There's no superpowers that we are assigned. No, you know, like, and the thing I, I tell our church people all the time is, is in Job's story, the quintessential book about suffering in the Bible. Yeah, Job doesn't find out. Mm-mm. Job doesn't get to find out. Mm-mm. He knows nothing. He doesn't know that God and the devil made a bet about what would happen to him. <laughs> That's right. And I suspect he's happier about it because. I someday want to write a book of the Bible called Job's Lament that happens when he finds out yeah. that he was too good and that's what caused this. Right. You know, right. Job's like, wait, well, next time I should have robbed the liquor store. I didn't know that was a deal. I didn't know that could happen. Because yeah, you know, yeah. think about his questions in the book. Yeah. The whole book, he says, yeah. what bad thing did I do? That God, tell me what I did. And his friends keep saying, you did something bad, yeah, admit it. it. it you know, that, that's the and. It yeah. was the exact opposite of that. And yeah. the thing that I do appreciate about that book is it tends to say whatever I have assumed is probably the exact opposite of what's really going on in the spiritual right. world. Um, I don't like that answer because I want to know no. and I want it in my spreadsheet. Yeah. You know, something that calculates. Yeah. I get mm-hmm. you. I um, I wrote down something that uh, when I was thinking about recently, we sang uh, Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus. And there's a line in that that every time I sing it, it was it kind of bugged me how I've proved him or and or. Yeah, I know it feels kind of arrogant, you know, like how in my faith was it, I've proved him over and over. Um, but then that last part of that uh, chorus is, but oh, for grace to trust him more. And so I think this is kind of the theme going back to with loss again, whatever, is that we're given opportunities to show how faithful he has been and how faithful he is and not us. And so that's what you know, viewing those as an opportunity to showcase his faithfulness. Mm. I mean, that's, that's my God story. I mean, yeah. that's what it's, it's not in my wins and they've been far and few between, <laughs> uh, especially as a Vanderbilt fan, but instead <laughs> yeah, it's in the defeats and the losses and even the tragedy, you know, those have been the moments to showcase his faithfulness. And, and thankfully, it wasn't dependent on mine because mine wavered, you know, yeah. and still wavers, you know. Uh, and so that's I sing that song differently after thinking it, that through a little more. <laughs> yeah. The, the idea that it's his faithfulness. Yeah. That matters more than my faith. That's what's proved. Yeah. That's what's proven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that'll preach. Hang on. I got to yeah, write I know. this down. Sunday's yeah. coming and I'm in Ephesians <laughs> and I don't really know what to do with the last half of this book. So, you know. Get that down. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's me. That's pretty much it. I I had a scripture just in case you didn't uh, have any. Uh, but the uh, <laughs> we don't do scripture around here. Okay. All right. Well, we'll make it from the message translation. Okay. There then. you go. No, but uh, the Second Corinthians one three four. This has been the one that I cannot read without reflecting on my life. God comforts. Basically, my paraphrase is that God comforts and has comforted me so that I can comfort others with the same comfort that He's given me. And what I found is it's not going to be the same exact uh, stress or struggle, you know, that somebody else is going through. Maybe even their situation is a different, um, but the comfort is the same. That's, God's comfort speaks to all those different uh, circumstances, you know. Uh, and so that's that's the resource. And that's the well from which I would draw, you know, in, in my own life is so much more the times that the tough stuff, the difficult things, um, again, more the defeats and losses than the wins. Uh, but that's uh, that's been the theme, and that's the the God story that he's still writing. Uh, I, I'm praying for a few more victories and wins <laughs> in this latter half as I approach 50, uh, but uh, I'd like to see a few more wins down the road. But we'll see. 
You keep reminding me of lines from hymns, though. Uh, Redeeming love has been my theme yeah. and shall be till I die. Uh, yep. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a lot of that. <laughs> I wish I wish that we learned and were formed by the good moments. Mm-hmm. That would just be so much more fun. Yeah. But it doesn't seem to work that way. It doesn't. Yeah. Uh, but, again, I think it's that's what drives us to greater dependence on him. And that's really the goal. Yeah. You know, he gets us there one way or the other <laughs> for those that are seeking it, I guess. <laughs> what was that old definition that there's two kinds of people? Um, people who say thy will be done. And then people who say are no people to whom God says, all right, then have it your way. Yeah. There's some version of that. Yeah. I think I butchered that. I think you did. You <laughs> might want to go back and edit that one. Well, if we're not editing that, if we haven't edited some of the other dumb stuff I've said <laughs> in this thing, you know, I got one more quote for you. Shoot. Uh, that, uh, and I don't know who said this, but you can lose your soul by denying the sovereignty of God and you can lose your mind trying to understand it. Oh, wow. That's good. <laughs> I thought it was good. Let's just say I said it. Yeah. The Reverend Jason Allison <laughs> yeah, that's said right. that's right. on the uh, Rough Drafts podcast recorded sometime in May. Or... I did. I looked for who said it and I hadn't found it yet, but uh, uh, that's that's exactly, that, that speaks to the sovereignty of God. Okay. I have one more question. Okay. Um, how has your faith changed uh, over your story? I mean, it's absolutely deepened, and, and I'd love to say it's deepened through great scholarly Bible study and yeah. stuff. And I'm sure that's that's helped. That certainly helped it along the way. But the motivation that led me to that is probably still going to be that that need for understanding and how to trust Him more. You know, uh, that type of thing. Uh, it's certainly gotten deeper and wider. I mean. Um, uh, I read recently about we do very little to control. We we talk so much about the length of our life, watching your cholesterol, watching all these yeah. things to help with the length of your life. But we should spend more time about the depth and width of our life. You know, oh, that's and really good. Yeah, that's write that down too. But um, the uh, next week. <laughs> but I mean, that's that's what the the trials and the struggles and the tragedy and that's what it does. It, it drives you to you have to go deeper. You have to grow wider. Uh, to be able, you include more people and uh, in in that. I mean, in that process and um, in in that space in your life, and you carry them with you. And so, yeah, I mean, I I um, my faith has definitely been deepened. And again, not not in the way that I would have anticipated or even chose, but but yet it, it's uh, deeper and wider. <laughs> we can sing about that. <laughs> I really thought you were setting up a joke when you talked about getting deeper and wider with age. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah. Most of us do too. It's possible. Those too. things too. Yeah. We we have a growth chart on the wall. It's just going the opposite. <laughs> the yeah, exactly. Rotate at 90 degrees. <laughs> Man, Jason, this has been fun. Yeah. Um, thanks for your time and friends. Thank you so much for listening. And thanks for sharing this with a friend. And if you haven't registered for camp, it mm. is not yet uh, eternally too late. Right. Uh, but it will be one day. Yes. And you want to be ready when that day comes. That's so, right. Uh, talk to uh, talk to me, talk to Penny, talk to Jason, talk to Courtney, talk to Aaron, talk to, just talk to somebody from one of our churches if you want to go to camp either as a, as a worker or as a camper. And the thing that I always tell people that surprised me so much is being a worker is 10 times more fun than being a camper yeah. ever was. Yeah. So uh, it'll be a great time. Anything else? That's got it. I think I've said enough. All right, friends. Well, until next time, I can't wait to find out what God is up to in your story. Thanks for listening to Rough Drafts. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. While you're at it, help us spread the word by leaving a rating and review. Until next time, 
Let's keep looking for how God writes His love into our stories.